Just out of curiosity, how many of you ladies came to our ladies' retreat over the last couple of days? Did you guys have a good time? Not really, apparently. <laughs> My understanding was it was a really a great event. I did want to point out that the guys let the ladies come to their event, and you ladies didn't let us come. I'm just harboring a grudge, okay? But it was cool. It was really, really a good event. I'm glad you're able to do that, guys. If you're connecting with us online, we are glad that you're engaging with us, and we hope that you sense the presence of God, because that's what this is all about. If you're just coming back to Capital City, welcome home. And if you've not been here to Capital City before, well, I'm going to pray here in just a moment. I'm going to give you a chance to slip out. Okay, You can go across the hall if you want. We've got our life group connection going on over there. Or if you just want to escape to your cars. I'm going to go over a boatload of Bible this morning. A boatload of it. Way more than we usually do. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for me. It's not going to be easy for you. I hope that when we get to the end, it will have been worth it. But it's going to be tough. So here's your chance. You ready? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that we can be here. We're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for the word that we're going to be able to study this morning. And we do pray, Lord, that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Okay, here it is, guys. We've basically been unpacking one verse since January. Here it is. Jesus said, if any one of you wants to be my follower, if any of you wants to be my follower, he's talking to all of us, he says, you must forget yourself and you must take up your own cross and you must do that stuff daily. Then follow me. February, we talked about what it means to give up your own way. In March, we talked about what it means to take up your own cross. Now we're to the daily part. And in some ways, it's this daily part that makes all of this stuff so hard, so challenging. You see, being a Jesus follower is not just deciding that Jesus probably was the Son of God. It's not about believing the right stuff. Being a Jesus follower is not about a decision you made once, back, whenever. It's not even about adding some Jesus to your routines. I'll give Jesus Sunday mornings, maybe I'll throw in a little bit of Bible study and prayer. Being a Jesus follower is not about adding some religion to your life. Giving up your own way, taking up your cross, your own cross, daily, isn't about adding some Jesus to your life. It's about doing life with Jesus, for Jesus, His way. It's about a relationship with God. I'll show you. Now we're going to look at three of Jesus' parables this morning. Before we get there, I just want to kind of set the context. Sometimes the context is really important for understanding what's going on in the stories. This is one of those times. They're from the Gospel of Matthew. These Gospels are kind of biographies of Jesus. It was written by a guy named Matthew who was one of Jesus' disciples. In other words, he was an eyewitness. And Matthew spends about a quarter of his account, about 25% of his time, on just the last week of Jesus' life because that's kind of where the rubber hits the road. On a Sunday, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem to pick a fight. We call it the triumphal entry. It's quite this scene, this ragamuffin rabbi riding into Jerusalem on a donkey with this raucous rabble making a ruckus. That was kind of cute, wasn't it? 
On Monday, Jesus goes back to the temple, their holy place. He starts flipping over the tables. He starts kicking out the bankers who'd set up shop there. Like I said, Jesus went to Jerusalem to pick a fight. We call it the cleansing of the temple. They probably would have called it the desecration of the temple. On Tuesday, Jesus went back to that same temple to confront and to teach. He makes them mad enough to kill him, which was his plan. He challenges the religious leaders. He calls them hypocrites, fools, blind guides, whitewashed tombs, snakes, and vipers. He predicts the destruction of their most holy place, the temple. He predicts the persecution of us Jesus followers, and he predicts that someday he is going to come back. On Thursday, Jesus shares the Lord's Supper, one we just commemorated with our, last, our Lord's Supper here, with his disciples, and then Jesus goes to the garden where he's arrested. On Friday, he's put on trial. He's flogged, and he's crucified, and he dies. On Saturday, Jesus stays dead. On Sunday, he does not. It's a huge week, the most consequential week ever. And it's right smack in the middle of this huge week that Jesus tells these three stories. This is Tuesday, the day that he is teaching and challenging this religious leaders, the day he predicts the destruction of the temple, predicts our persecution, and he predicts his return. Jesus says, you're going to see the Son of Man. That's what Jesus called himself. You're going to see the Son of Man. You're going to see me coming back on clouds of heaven, and I'm going to be coming back with power and great glory, and I'm going to send out my angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet, and they're going to gather the chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth. And he goes on to tell them right after this. I don't have it on screen, but he goes on to tell them no one knows when. We know he's coming back. We don't know when. Some preachers think they know. They don't. No one knows the when. We don't need to know the when to be ready. What do we focus on? What do we focus on other than the part that we do till then? So this is the week leading up to the cross. And Jesus is trying to prepare us for that time in between, in between his leaving for a while and his coming back, the time we are in right now. He is coming back. So how does that change the way that you do now? How does that change the daily? Well, Jesus tells three really weird little stories, three parables back to back to back. And I think that we're supposed to kind of look for the thread that ties these parables together. These are important stories for us right here, right now. In fact, you are in every one of these stories. You're somewhere in these stories. Your job is to figure out where. Story number one. Parable of ten bridesmaids. Now you need to know that weddings back then were a whole lot different than weddings today. They'd announce the date, but not necessarily the time of the wedding. So on the wedding day, whenever he was ready, the groom would show up at the bride's home and He'd take her out and they'd start parading through the streets together to wherever the couple was planning to live and that's where they would have the wedding. Some of the guests would join in the parade. It was a great time. Others would go to the new home and wait for everyone else to arrive, which is where these ten bridesmaids were waiting for everyone else to arrive. Just 
kids probably, 10 to 14 years old, marriage age back then, probably dreaming of that big day of their own. Now these parades could take a long time. These guys were having fun. So these bridesmaids waited and waited and waited, way longer than they expected. In fact, these kids fell asleep. Until finally after dark, someone sees the bride and groom coming. See, these bridesmaids have these little tiny oil lamps. When they get up, they check their lamps, and they're about out of oil. Wedding party is way later than they expected. So when they finally spot the couple coming down the street, they've got to tend their lamps really fast. Five of the girls, they're prepared. They had brought extra virgin olive oil. That's humor, by the way. They brought olive oil. Sorry. Other five, they're just out. The girls who were unprepared asked the girls who were prepared to share. And the girls who were prepared said, I'm sorry, we don't have enough to share. Which is weird. Think about it. That's a little weird. But sometimes in the Jesus stories, the weird part is the important part. So we have five girls who are short on oil and they have to leave to go find more. And it's night. Meanwhile, the bride and the groom show up. Everyone piles into the house and they don't wait. Festivities begin. They don't wait. In fact, this is weird too. They lock the door. They lock the door so when the five unprepared girls finally get back, they're locked out. They start knocking on the door. Are you going to let us in? And the groom says, I don't think I know you. Holy cow. What a crazy little story. It seems so harsh. But it is not the story of a wedding. And instead of explaining himself, Jesus just goes on with the next weird little story. Story number two, the parable of three servants. So, Jesus says, there's a businessman who's going to go out of town for a while. How long? I don't know. Months? Years? Decades? Doesn't say. They don't know. So he brings in three of his guys. Back then they would have been his servants. He brings in three of his servants and he tells them to manage his stuff until he's gone, while he's gone. Look after my stuff as long as I'm gone. Now this businessman is loaded. He entrusts these three servants with a boatload of money. The first guy is supposed to manage around $5 million. Second guy is supposed to manage around $2 million. The third guy is supposed to manage about $1 million. Still a whole lot of money. Apparently the manager, the, I mean the businessman, the master, trusted these guys, take care of my stuff, manage it well. And then he leaves town. So are they excited or are they scared? Think about it. Are you excited or are you scared? The two of the guys get to work. The guy with five mil puts it to work, starts earning more. The guy with two mil does exactly the same. The guy with one mil digs a hole, buries the money, and goes around to his own business. Kind of like, kind of like we do. And after a long, long time, years at least, decades maybe, the businessman, the master, returns. He calls in his servants, and the first guy says, you gave me five to manage, I've made five more. The 
Masters like, holy cow, well done. That's what I'm talking about. Don't quit. Now stakes are on me. Second guy says, you gave me two to manage. I doubled it. Masters like, well done. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Don't quit now. There's more to be done. Stakes are on me. Third guy, the guy who had one mill to work with, this is what he says. He says, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man. I knew that you're a hard man. In fact, you're the kind of guy who'll do whatever it takes to win. And you kind of scare me. You're my master, but I'm not like you. So here's your money back, every penny of it. And the businessman, the master's like, so you think I'm a harsh man. You think I'm the kind of guy that would do whatever it takes to win. You think I'm kind of scary, but you're not even smart enough to put the money in the bank where it can earn some interest. You're fired, dude. You're out. And he says, they take that worthless servant and they throw him into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Holy cow. What a weird, weird story. It seems crazy. It seems so harsh. But it is not the story of a businessman and three servants. And instead of explaining himself... Jesus just goes on with the next weird little story, which is the story we read just a few minutes ago together. Story number three, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Only this time the meaning is clearer, isn't it? You see, Jesus is the groom, and Jesus is the businessman who's away for a time, and Jesus is the shepherd who's going to come back and separate the sheep from the goats. The story is bold, it's audacious. Jesus looks at these guys, he looks at us, and he says, someday I'm coming back. I am. And when I come back, there's going to be a reckoning. And everybody, everywhere is going to stand in front of me, and on that day I'm going to separate you, kind of like a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And those of you who are my sheep, I've got this amazing place prepared for you because, and here it is, because I was hungry and you fed me, and I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your own home. I was naked. You gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And the sheep are going to be like, what? When? I don't remember doing any of that for you, Jesus. In fact, I don't even think I've ever seen you face to face until today. And Jesus said, listen, guys, listen. Whenever you did any of that stuff for one of my kids, you're doing it for me. And then the king turns to those of us he deems goats, and he says, you're out forever. Because you didn't get it. You never got it. You lived like it was all about you. You really didn't love me. You really didn't care for those that I love. It was all about you. You're out. And the goats are like, wait, we didn't understand Jesus. We never saw you hurting. If we saw you hungry, thirsty, we'd have been there for you. If we'd seen you naked, we'd have given you the clothes off our own back. Jesus says, don't you get it? That was me. Those were mine. You were living like it's all about you. You never really loved God, and you really never loved those God loves. 
what you really loved was you. So you're out. And that's it. A weird little story. This one even more ominous. Three stories in a row. No commentary in between. No commentary afterwards. Ten bridesmaids, three servants, and some sheep and some goats. So what's the thread? How do they connect? What's the point? What are we supposed to hear? I think we need to know. I think they're for us. Here are just a few suggestions. Number one. Jesus is going to be gone for a while. How long? I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. We don't know how long he's going to be gone. We do know he's coming back. When? I don't know. You don't know. They don't know. But he is coming back. The groom is going to be coming. The businessman's going to return. The shepherd is going to come back. It's going to happen. Number three, when he comes back, there's going to be a reckoning. When the groom gets back, the doors are going to be locked. When the businessman returns, the books are going to be assessed. When the shepherd gets back, there's going to be a separation. What we do know is that what happens during that reckoning is going to be based on what we do while the master's gone. It's going to have to do with our daily Here's the piece we miss. This is the piece that should catch us by surprise and maybe cause us to lean in. Every character in all three of these stories thought they were in before they discovered they were out. They thought they were good to go. They thought they belonged. They thought they were safe until they learned they were not. You see, Jesus doesn't really tell these stories about pagans. There are no unbelievers written into these scripts. All ten of the bridesmaids thought they'd be at the wedding party. All three of the servants thought they'd have a job until they retired. Even the goats were surprised that they had dissed the master. I do suppose these stories have a message for those who are not Jesus followers yet. It applies there too. But it seems like he was speaking more specifically for those of us who are Jesus' followers, we think. How are you doing with the daily? How are you doing? Now listen to this next piece, guys. This is incredibly important. This is not about salvation by works. It may sound like it. It's not. This is not about being good enough. This is not about doing enough good that you're in. I want to show you two more verses that are both true. The Apostle Paul, who probably worked harder for Jesus than anyone that you have ever known, the Apostle Paul says this. What's the next slide, please? He says, it's by God's grace. It's by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your works. It is not the result of your effort. It is not because of what you are going to do to earn your way in. It's God's gift so that nobody can boast about it. It is not about being good enough. It is not about doing enough good to get in. Here's the second verse. This one is written by James, who's the brother of Jesus. James says, faith by itself, faith alone, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith without works is dead. And listen, guys, both verses are true. Both are true. 
because Jesus following isn't just about believing some stuff about Jesus. It requires trying to live out what we believe. If you're not trying to really live it out, how can you say you believe it? I know we're going to mess up a boatload. That's why we are so grateful for grace. But do you really believe in Jesus enough to give up your own self, take up your own cross daily, and follow him? See, faith is not about agreeing with some proposition about Jesus. Faith is about trying to do life with God, for God, God's way. Faith is not about agreeing that Jesus probably is the groom, the businessman, the shepherd. It's defined by the relationship that you have with that groom, that businessman, that shepherd. To the bridesmaids who were unprepared, the groom says, I don't know you. Which I think is probably another way of saying, you don't know me. Third servant says to the master, I believe that you are a hard man. To which the master responds, you don't know me. You don't know me at all. Goats say to the shepherds, we didn't know it was you. The master replies, it's because you don't know me. So, do you know him? Do you? Jesus says, we're to love God with all of our hearts, souls, minds, and strength. And that involves loving our neighbors as ourselves. I'm going to tell you guys, if you're trying to live that out, you are ready whenever he returns. You are ready. It's not enough just to love God without loving those that God loves. And it's not enough just to be good without knowing God. It's about knowing God, loving God, following Jesus daily. Now listen, guys, if, if you understand these stories, as I understand these stories, if that's close to right, maybe, maybe there'll be a lot of surprised people when Jesus comes back. And some of those people who are surprised perhaps will have done the right things, but for the wrong reasons. They live their lives caring for people who are hurting, people who are needy. But they'll tell you, I didn't do that because I love Jesus or I'm trying to follow Jesus. I didn't do it for him. And I think Jesus can honor that when they stand before him. He says, you don't want to be with me? It's your call. And there are others who think that they're okay with Jesus because their name is on a church roll somewhere because they were baptized at some point. Maybe even attend church most Sundays, but Jesus was never given permission to change a heart. So they never really learned to love God or to love what Jesus loves. Frankly, you don't want to spend eternity with someone with whom you have nothing in common. And God won't force you to. But I hope you're prepared. I hope you're ready. You have accepted God's grace in Christ. You've allowed him to change you from the inside out. And you love God. And you love those God loves.
Is that where we are with him? Guys, if you're a Jesus follower, but you recognize that there are parts of yourself that you are resisting, handing over to him, you've got to spend some time with God and try to get that right. Offer him yourself again. Offer those pieces that you're holding back again. If you're not a Jesus follower, guys, the day's coming. He's coming back. We're all going to stand before him. Life now and life then is dependent on making Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. Have you done that? Are you really living the kind of life that matters forever? You can do that. You'll feel the Holy Spirit nudging on you right now. Holy Spirit's in the room. He always nudges on us. It's never wise to push back. If you're not a Jesus follower, let's get that started. During this next song, I'm going to sit right down there. I'd love to talk with you. We have an elder praying for you in that prayer room in the back of the room. Slip back there, talk to him after the service. I'll hang around for a few minutes, come and chat. Let's talk. Let's get you started on this path. If you don't want to do it here, give us a text message, an email. We'll call you. But guys, that's where life starts. Let's bow our heads together. Father, for your grace, we give you thanks. For this challenge, goodness. You want it all, but it's worth it. It's no sacrifice to give ourselves to you. It's the beginning of that which is superb forever. Give us the wisdom and the courage to be children of God. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.